Hello and welcome to Masters of Our Domain, the podcast which is allegedly about the hit 90s sitcom Seinfeld. I'm Milo Edwards, someone who's never seen Seinfeld, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is all she ever says. And this week we are back. Uh, we're ready to talk about Seinfeld yet again. And we are joined uh, all, all the way from the United States of America, a country I've heard nothing about and I won't Google it. It's the guys from the Minion Death Cult podcast, Tony and Alexander, how are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing well. Thank, thank you for the lovely introduction of associating us with America. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel I like love that's going to gonna set us off on the right foot with your listeners. Yeah, for we those, do have a lot of those American of us, listeners, actually. For those who are curious, like, yeah, the Seinfeld universe is a different part of America that that um that I don't I I've never seen in real life, so I don't even know if it's real. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's actually America or if that's like you know a different like early. If this might I've heard it's actually Canada, mm-hmm. so I can't claim anything about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, very glad to be here. Very okay. pumped to talk about uh about uh, Seinfeld and um this this is actually yeah yeah pumped pumped to be here. So it's been it's been too long. New since York, I've the visited. Canada of America. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hearing here. Hey, I'm I'm walking here, bud. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll watch. That's why they that always one. film in <laughs> Toronto or wherever. It's, it just makes more sense. Yeah. Fuck. Well, actually, the craziest thing about Seinfeld is it was all filmed in L.A. Um, yeah. And there mm-hmm. are occasional fuck ups where you'll see like a taxi with a California license plate or something. Um, that's funny. I didn't know this that. Is the, yeah, this is more the kind of stuff that fans of the podcast know and then tell us and then we because we actually know nothing about Seinfeld. <laughs> That's very little. Like you know nothing about it. I know loads about it. I just don't choose just, to share it because I'm not okay. going to do their homework for them. No, you know more than me, but I feel as though we are routinely shown up by like guests and fans of the pod who know a lot more about Seinfeld than both of us. But that's because we're jocks and they're nerds. Right, I see. Yes, that is a key a key element of it's the taxonomy. It's a key element of the dynamic, I think. That's it's also, I mean, <laughs> to flag that's, up. that's crowdsourcing too. It's it's like exactly. a it's a form of community organizing. Technically, exactly, exactly. Mm. There are large language models. Yeah, hog GPT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I call them. Um, so this week we are talking about season seven, episode seventeen, the doll. Um, it's a it's a classic. It's a weird. It's a weird episode. They get in. They get in weird with it this time. I lo- um, I love this episode. I think it's a banger. It's, it's a very like Lynchian take on Seinfeld. This one. Mm. There's a lot of like uh, spooky. You know, people aren't quite in their right minds in this episode. Uh, we open with a bit as we as we so often do. Uh, Phoebe, can you remember the content of the bit? It's, it's glanced off my consciousness. I can again. indeed remember the content of the bit. It is part a zillion of. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, long-standing enmity with the profession of pilot. He mm-hmm. he oh, course, does yes. not he does not care for them. He wants to know why they think they're so fucking clever in their little in their little flying machines. Like who do you think you, who do you think you are, you pieces of shit? How do you even keep that thing up in the air? No one understands it. It's bullshit. Try writing a joke. That's hard. Uh, so he's complaining that uh, that pilots report back on what they're doing. He doesn't mm. like it. He does not. He does not care for that. And he thinks that you should go and bother a pilot and tell them what you're doing in your seat, which is an interesting riff on the going to someone's workplace and heckling them. 
Yeah, I, I do actually kind of kind of agree with this. I feel like pilots, they tell you far too much about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And a particular, uh, as someone who takes a lot of long haul flights, a particular grievance of mine is when it's like you got like an hour left of the flight and you're trying to finish like an hour of movie. And so you're kind of, you're up against it. And then they keep interrupting with announcements. And it's about bullshit that isn't even to do with the flight. It's like some five-minute announcement about some charity collection they're doing to, like, you know, build a, build a computer in Sudan or something. And you're just like, I'm not interested. I'm trying to watch a Liam Neeson movie. Stop interrupting me. To build a computer in Sudan. I'm really pleased that we've been joined by Richard Littlejohn for this episode. <laughs> no, but that's what I mean. It's always like it's always like a weird thing. It's not like a more conventional like, oh, we're gonna do, you know, I don't know, we're gonna like uh, feed some people in Sudan or whatever. It's always something weird. It's always like a the, the airline charity is always it has a strange eldritch twist to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was on a plane last, uh, the pilot did break in several times. To I wasn't I wasn't watching uh, a movie because uh, right. I, I was I was paralyzed. I had that like paralysis of choice there are way too many right, movie right. options oh, yeah, now yeah, yeah. Gotcha. on a plane and i'm like what man i i, I do want to watch drive my car but i also want to watch uh what's what's the other murder mystery that's out of the bong joon ho mur- mur- i want to watch that one too like what, what do i watch you know and oh, um yeah. but he did break in to, to announce that we would be arriving like two minutes early i'm like <laughs> that seems like unnecessary information <laughs> I would yeah, it's, I, it's I within like the margin of error. I would have worked that out for myself, but you know, <laughs> but then again, I'm not a pilot, so I think I think what we're what we're learning here is that the is that uh, Jerry's actually got a point here, and the pilot and the comedian are apparently natural enemies. Like <laughs> yeah. in the wild, mm. they would they mm-hmm. would, they would physically fight, but in captivity, um, yeah. they just have to kind of make little digs at each other's jobs. You know, that's why yeah. the uh, the comedian uh, has those frilled ruffles on his uh, chest that he he mm-hmm. it actually uh it actually it counteracts the jet stream that the yeah. pilot tries to <laughs> tries to lure you into it creates drag well that was the ori- that was the it's su- it's such a tragedy the original the original plan for 911 was to just fly straight through just like straight through Joan Rivers's house that was like plan A <laughs> If they'd have finished flight school, that's what they'd have done. Because they'd have been they'd have, indoctrinated as done. pilots. And that would have overcome the Islamism. They would have become pilot radicals. That's actually yeah. where the, um, the plane was heading. But, you know, good thing they decided to roll and not let that happen. The, I, yeah. I got to say, yeah. like, I got to push back against this. The thing about this is, you know, this this show is happening in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. The movie Sully would not come out until 2016. So he doesn't even understand how important a pilot is. And you guys don't even understand Mm -hmm. the things that these are things that pilots are obligated to tell you. You don't even want like if they could tell you everything, they absolutely would. Um, And so you're, you're lucky. You're only hearing um, a tiny bit of what's happening. And, and I think that we actually do need a play by play from pilots so that people put more respect on pilots names. (laughs) Not just that, but I feel you. I'm with, I'm with you on this. And Mm. the episode as a whole is making the point that there are jobs where you think that they're not really doing anything, but actually one little thing goes wrong and then everything's fucked. So pilots and conductors, they are the two sort totally. of most misunderstood profession. I, mm. Also, I mean, if, if Seinfeld, I mean, if comedians <clears throat> were able to see Flight, you know, another movie that came out much later, maybe they could mm. have some camaraderie with pilots knowing that they're all drunk all the time, like comedians. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot of drinking problems in the comedy community, I would say, but it's it's less frowned upon than it is in the pilot community. Um, I, was gonna I do say, like actually, that the episode starts with the stereotypical Seinfeld slash observational humor joke, you know, airlines like hmm. that's the, you know, because I'm OK, I'll say it right now. I'm not like I'm not a big Seinfeld fan and it's mostly uh, the guy. I don't really like the guy. Like the only things I really know about him are this show, uh, the, the B movie. And then <laughs> that time he got really upset that his joke about a gay king scrolling through his Instagram feed uh, flopped <laughs> on, a, on a late night talk show. <laughs> and he started uh, lamenting cancel culture because he did a, did a shitty joke. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm more of a curb your enthusiasm fan mm. really big fan of the show but watching this episode I, I i did enjoy this episode more than i thought i was going to uh but it was just very funny that it started off with like yeah the only thing i know about seinfeld is that he makes jokes about uh airplane food and this time yeah. it was about uh pilot it's, it's i, got, every I, I week. gotta tell you it's definitely like it's definitely like something that comes up like like comes up occasionally like i don't, I don't like seinfeld i like curb but i'm sorry i regret to inform you if you like curb you gotta like its progenitor the two things go together. They're in symbiosis. You can't like the flower without mm. liking the bulb. All yeah. right, B movie. <laughs> I just I, I like to the use of uh, you know <laughs> curve your enthusiasm. Yeah, that's right. I just don't. I don't like Seinfeld as an actor. I don't. I don't. Oh like, yeah, no, no, he you can't know, act. Oh, he can't that's, act. That's yeah. true. That's true. And I don't like you know a lot of these jokes that he does in in this episode are like awful like when i like i like the episode let me just i'll say that again but like when elaine when he's like i can't get any work done because there are people always in my apartment and elaine's like i'm not always in your apartment and then his joke is yeah sure you aren't mm. and yeah. that's like a laugh line that's like a line that kills the audience there's like a big <laughs> a big a applause little, from the audience it's a little wink yeah i um i have to confess i have just for the last five minutes been thinking about the the guys on 9-11 doing the regular pilot announcements like uh <laughs> the temperature in new york city is uh 64 fahrenheit uh we're going to be arriving in the world trade center just just a few minutes early today uh cabin well, everyone will, like uh, everyone on the, on the flight just like their heads popping up like what yeah. Wait, that's not where we're going. Why are we? Why? Why are you? Why are you it giving this be, that announcement? One this guy is too who much is actually his ultimate destination is like great, awesome. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be so early. Curbside. <laughs> it would Amazing. be a very funny bit to flip on the seatbelt signs just before you crash into the North Tower. <laughs> if you're uh, seated in an exit row, exit row, one of our attendants is coming by to chop off your hands to make sure you do not plan any sort of escape. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I got to I got to I got to step in and defend Seinfeld real quick. I mean, I, I understand that okay. he's a bit of a cornball and all that, but I he he is a social justice warrior. And I and I and I mean mm -hmm. that in a very earnest sense. I think it's good that he was the only person to stand up to uh, Louis C.K. and say, actually, I don't think you should say the N word. Um, and I, and I, I will I will. I will always big him up for that. Uh, I, th I mean, he might have been coming from a from a place of peripheral experience where he said, "Trust me, bro, you don't want to do that," and that's why he was saying it. But either way, he said mm. it in 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 the face of Chris Rock, even. So you know, big big ups to him for that. Uh, that's a real. Um, that's when you go from being an ally to being an accomplice, right there. You gotta you gotta stop Louis C.K. from saying the N word. Like even if like even mm. if you're joking around, I actually thought he came off really well in that. 
in that very oh. short clip. There was just something very obnoxious about these like men in their 50s all sitting around sniggering about, ooh, ooh, we're going to say the bad word. We're going to say the bad word. And like Seinfeld's just like, yeah, okay. Okay, then. Cool. That's really, really cool of you. Yeah, he also like looks good in not, comparison. No pussy behavior from any of you. Yeah, he's definitely like looking good in comparison to the people around him. And people were like, yeah. well, well, Chris Rock was saying it was cool. It's like, oh, Chris Rock, you mean the only black man in the room who like <laughs> maybe maybe felt like he probably couldn't really go too wild on it because then they're gonna call they're gonna make fun of him for it, you know? Like, come on now. Yeah, he didn't want to get fucking jerked off on by Louis C.K. later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that and that's like and that's what you've got to try and avoid. So there is like yeah. one mm. like noble pilot who's like out looking for CK right now. Mm. The, it's funny though. Be, <laughs> the uh, I I feel like I could imagine a Seinfeld joke about uh, uh, what's what's the deal with the soft A? You can say the soft A, but you can't say the hard R. Like what is it? It's it's the same <laughs> word. It's just pronounced differently. That, yeah, that's a kind of like yeah. Seinfeld after dark bit. That's like the kind of. I had to. I, I sometimes late get like, amazing texts from my girlfriend just because she's not very online and she'll just occasionally she'll see something on Twitter and then like I got I got one for her the other day while we were, we were in Bali and she was like I, I was working with Phoebe online and she was out just like lounging by the pool and I just got a text from her that was like baby what's the hard R? <laughs> I was like oh god not now. Uh, we're gonna you're gonna have to wait till I can whisper that in your ear. Yeah. Later on. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. You, you know, you know. I, I got to say this. The, the only way she can come. The thing about Seinfeld is, I don't know if, if you guys know this, but Seinfeld was like welcomed, was embraced by the hip hop community very early. Like rap music loves Seinfeld. Um, like Wale mm -hmm. has an album called Seinfeld. Um, there's multiple songs about Seinfeld. There's multiple songs about specifically his shoes. Um, if you, I don't right, know if you yeah, about the guest on who was talking about Seinfeld's shoe collection. Yeah, yeah. It, hip hip hop hip hop loves Seinfeld. So honestly, if anybody could could do it, it would be Seinfeld. So I think <laughs> it's cool that he's the one that's saying no. And like this has been mm. going on for like a, for a, a quite. Some, I mean, after obviously after it was taken, you know, after it was done. But um, yeah, yeah. hip hop loves hip hop in the black community in general. We we do love Seinfeld, um, but hip hop specifically mm. loves Seinfeld. It's like a philosopher king thing, you know. Jerry Seinfeld, precisely because he doesn't want to say the word, is the only man worthy. Yeah, yeah. It's his, it's his eschewing of it that means he's the only man who can be trusted with that kind of power. There's like a notorious moment where he's at a concert and his mouth stops moving at the right moment, and everyone kind of noticed. Everyone was like, "I see, I see you, dog. <laughs> I see you, player." Um, yeah. So the episode of Seinfeld in question. What is, what is the A plot of this episode? I'm trying to I'm trying the to decide plot, here. We've got to Well, it's this is the thing. It doesn't have an A plot. It's a mm. it's a kind it's kind of a vaudeville episode. It's got a lot, got a little kind of mm. lot of little strands and they're all like knitting together and then they they come together and then they come mm. together for the finale. Yeah. Should we just so say Jerry, what each what yeah. each of the characters okay, we'll, we'll start to? with Jerry. So Jerry's been doing some shows in Memphis. He's on his way back to New York. He's bought himself a bottle of uh, barbecue sauce. Uh, which has a guy on it who looks like the guy whose talk show he's going on later in the week, uh, whose name I forget. Um, Grodin, Charles Grodin, Charles actor. Grodin. I, why didn't we get any of Charles Grodin in this episode? I love that guy. He, he, I, don't you know can see. Who, I don't know who Charles Grodin is. Who is Charles he's Grodin? The, he's the dad from Beethoven, the dog yeah, movie. Yeah. But he's, yeah, uh, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> Sorry, I think it's funny to call it the dog movie. Not the movie about the composer, the, the one about the dog who is also a composer. I don't know about every movie. I'm just covering my, maybe there is a movie <laughs> called Beethoven, you know? Which is about, which is another dog, but one that doesn't compose. Mm. Different dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you actually Beethoven see. Plays basketball. I'm looking up who uh, this guy is because I haven't seen Beethoven since I was a kid. Oh, you're gonna. You see his photo in in the green in the green room. You see his photo on the wall. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're referencing him. I think it's just funny to 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 throw his name out there like he's got his own talk show. But you you unfortunately never get to see him. I I feel like that was like a really fun joke they got to have. That's like that was a joke for for the for you know the cast and crew and writers. He's also really Mm -hmm. funny in um. So I married an axe murderer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't. Somebody tries to commandeer like a cop or somebody tries to commandeer his car. Oh, yeah, because he's got a cop friend. That's right. And so uh, uh, Mike Myers has a cop friend who's like trying to track him down. And so he tries to commandeer Charles Groden's car and Charles Groden's like, no, not going to happen. I'm just going to get a picture him now. I do. I do. I do recognize him, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to to pick him out. Uh, Not Not when he's alongside that dog. That dog is such a scene stealer. Yeah. Oh, he literally, he's pulling the same picture. It, it, sorry, he's pulling the same face in every picture of him. It's quite impressive. Who is He's a dog? man with a very, no, no, Charles Grodin. <laughs> he's got like a very consistent. Consistent facial expression. He's got one, like, honestly, this is great. Like, go on the Google images. It's like every picture of him, he's doing exactly the same face. It's called a smile, Milo. <laughs> you should try it sometime. No, it's like lopsided. He knows, he, <laughs> he knows, he, he looks knows like he's angles. in one of those stroke adverts. <laughs> Yeah, it's always weird. He's yeah, I don't know. It's it's spooky. Mm. It's every it's every picture he's doing this anyway. Um, fine, I'm the only person who cares about this. That's uh, it's a little bit spooky. He's he's kind of like an NFT of himself, you know. He's yeah. just like mm. every picture of him is like it's the same facial expression, but he's got like a different costume on. Like that. R.I.P. Charles Grodin. You had a weird face. Yeah, we'll miss it. That's our conclusion. Uh, and so Jerry gets handed a gift for uh, George and Susan by Susan's uh, college roommate. Can and I so just say at, the, at, at this point that I think that Kathy Griffin's support, uh, performance as Sally Weaver is like an Oscar-winning horror performance. Like just totally. a few, like a few tweaks, and this is a twenty-four horror. Yeah, um, it's, it's a really she, selfless, generous performance from her because <laughs> she's. She is, she is like so unutterably appalling, but quite first, like especially for like a, a sitcom, she's quite believably appalling. Like I think everything she mm. does is something that I could sort like it. Gen- like it genuinely gives me kind of like, oh god, I can picture this person. I can picture this person. What if she comes to get me? Presume not Kathy Griffin, the, the the character Sally Weaver. Yeah, the character who, who worries me more than Kathy Griffin. At the moment. Yeah, I think Kathy Griffin would probably be a fairly polite house guest. <laughs> I don't she no kind of got. Believe otherwise, she might cut your head Go off. Ahead, Tony. She might do. She, she might. She cut might your do. head off. Right. But, you know, Which isn't I, I funny. T- could take that risk. Sure. Yeah. It's you know, you you, you run that risk. Like I could. Pro- um, I could probably. I could probably fight her. She doesn't look very. She doesn't look very strong. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's get a sweepstake involved. <laughs> who, who here could fight Kathy Griffin? That's uh. Let's come up with a. We'll get some odds going. Um, yes, yeah, so she gives him this big box, uh, and she says it's delicate, so he has to be careful with it. And she wants him to take it back to New York with him, which is which is a real imposition. I would be like, "Fuck off!" 
Yeah, no, no, it's, it's too no, large. Not going to happen. I'm going yeah. to, uh, he's going straight to the airport. Like you have to have all that stuff set when you buy the tickets. You have to kind of know what your deal is yeah. with the airport. Situ- I mean, maybe back then it was a little more loose and fancy free uh, because we didn't have the, the aforementioned mm. 9-11. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you still, dropped your you gun. <laughs> TSA you want, you guy want- chasing after you with your gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah not going to happen. The, the box thing, absolutely not. Yeah, it's going to have to, like, it's not going in the overhead. You're not going to, like, check it. It's in, This is on your mm. lap the whole time. Yeah. This sucks. going to sit with this thing yeah. on your lap. Yeah, no, I it's like, you it's want to re- play with that now, for sure. It's really, it's really good of him to agree to it. I think it's more like being put on the spot, and he's also trying to get, he's also trying to get out of the conversation, because mm. he's been informed that, because, uh, like, Susan has pulled this shit that quite a lot of people like to, and this is the thing, like men think that uh, women are doing this as a kind of a, as, as like a kind of a, that they genuinely think their like God awful friend is like amazing. And so they're trying to kind of foister on like all of your friends. No, 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 no. They know. Women know which of their friends are fucking <laughs> mm. annoying and they're trying to offload them onto one yeah, of their partner's friends. Like that's what this is. Yeah. It's time mm-hmm. to time for another visit, at, um, a visit uh, to uh, our uh, long running Long running corner, um, incel corner. Um, what, yeah. What's incel corner called? Axes of attraction. <laughs> axes of attraction. Axes yeah. of attraction. Okay, the so welcome back to Axes of Attraction, where I yeah. will be uh, sharing some uh, sharing some Good evening, birds listeners. secrets. I hope you're all and that's one of them. Come. Uh. Hope you're hope you're feeling pretty socially neglected right about now. <laughs> yeah, and it, then we've it, got I the bitch as like well, a... which is just the open misogyny podcast. Have you have you like try to find the incel Seinfeld in Seinfeld uh, community no because I feel like they might make me very sad I, I just I just I'm sure it exists I'm sure there's like a there's like Seinfeld. a subreddit that's just like love Seinfeld hate women and like that's that's where you go yeah inciles yeah I feel I feel like I don't know if I mean in the incel community is like a, a broad vibrant community there's a lot a lot of different strains <laughs> we don't, we don't and, want to generalize yeah the incel um, plus community towards an intersectional reading of the current yeah, incel yeah, yeah. community yeah I, f- I feel like the the incel pickup artist community would watch Seinfeld closely to see how he scores these eights nines and tens throughout the series mm mm do you think they yeah, think they're I think Georges? I think they think they're 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 more similar to Georges. That's the black pilled incel community. That's the black pilled yeah. uh, Seinfeld <laughs> incel mm. community. They're very hyper fixated on on their George identity. Mm-hmm. The thing is, George has got lazy. You know, he's got low self confidence as women, but he's actually he's always crushing it. Yeah, like true. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of strange mythology in Seinfeld. Like like the you know uh, a Jerry is just getting all the women all the time but then George and Elaine are constantly kind of insecure but they're always sought after also and so it's strange everyone in Seinfeld basically is fucking all of the time but they they have different you know attitudinal positions to it mm. goes to we live in prisons uh, of our own making the thing with Kathy Griffin though it's like yeah he knows that uh, Susan I guess is George's mm. new new wife and she's trying to set Oh, fiance, they haven't, yeah. they're not married. Okay. Not married. Uh, and trying to set up Kathy Griffin with Seinfeld, even more of a reason to say no to this fucking box. Like, yeah. wh- like why you have, e- 
every reason in the book to like make mm-hmm. this lady not like you, in my opinion. Oh, mm. a- absolutely. Although having said that, I don't know. I feel like some kind of terrible social convention would like kick in. And if someone like gives me a box, I'd be just like so startled that I would just take it, I think. Mm. And, I, I, and I that is how you see... end up in a Colombian jail right there. I can't see myself. <laughs> yeah. I cannot... You know, that's my problem. Yeah, smash cut to me sitting in a cell. It's like the problem is I just can't say no. Someone offers me a kilo of heroin. I've got to take that to the inside of my intestine. Mm. Yeah, exactly. The, the shoe bomber was just a guy who was offered a free pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you said Man. arch support for free? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. It would be fun to make like an airplane style comedy, but about the shoe bomber. Like when his shoes start smoking and then the way, the air just comes over and it's like, sorry, this is the non-smoking section. No, oh, that's um, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. that I was uh, thinking TM, about a, TM. I was thinking about a movie uh, called Maria Full of... social awkwardness where she's too she's too like you know timid to turn down the pat the kilo of cocaine like you were Mm -hmm. saying phoebe yeah okay right yeah 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 that does that does make sense yeah (laughs) i think we should get there's something there's something about this kilo of cocaine um (laughs) yeah uh right so yeah he, he he accepts this uh box i mean lord lord give me the confidence of someone who would set jerry seinfeld up with a woman a man a man who's known to have rejected the young terry hatcher for you know absolutely spurious reasons like this man's tastes are beyond our ken um and uh uh he has to have it on his lap on the plane the air hostess puts his bag in the overhead to make room for it and breaks the bottle of barbecue sauce in the process so i don't think you Jerry don't know that it's the barbecue sauce yet but there's this no, terrible no, kind of like crunching. He just, he just hears a crunch. Yeah. yeah. The kind of crunch you don't want from your luggage. But when I was watching it, I was like, what the fuck is crunching in Jerry Seinfeld's luggage? Oh, like, well. What is this? That was a, a che- full that was Glossier nail crunch. varnish kit. So, <laughs> don't, so don't, you, don't you worry. It's my that's favorite a- <laughs> Soviet cereal. <laughs> yeah, this is why they don't allow uh, larger containers of liquid in luggage anymore. Yeah, this is the moment. Um, how mm. much so you know having seen a lot of curb your enthusiasm um how much of seinfeld like plot points or just incidents hinge around uh workers being really bad at their jobs or being really uh rude and careless because that's that is very, a lot of curb your, curb your enthusiasm very very, <laughs> very few actually like it's, okay. uh, the the plot lines in seinfeld tend to tend to revolve around this group of people's social maladaptiveness i think is the best mm. way best way of putting it um like like very often they find themselves in absolute plum positions which they destroy with their personalities because they've got mm. the because they've got the absolute like kind of dynamite combination of like surprisingly a uh, kind of universe centering self like high self esteem but also social maladaptiveness so uh so that so that t- that tends to be the tends to be the kind of the bent of the stories because i just think if like anybody was good would be good at stowing an overhead pack you know luggage uh it would be a, a stewardess but she man she just fucks this shit she up real bad it. she has one job yeah she has one job this mm-hmm. whole you don't see her again i'm not i'm not gonna put it again. past it's a tragedy i'm not gonna put it past uh her that maybe there was a moment we didn't see on the onboarding mm. where sign where Jerry was a complete asshole. Um, and this might be some sort of, you know, payback. Um, but also some it is funny that, as you said, there's not very many episodes where that happens, 
But some of those episodes are like big episodes. Mm-hmm. True. You know, like like it, it, notorious like mm, the soup bad, Nazi yeah, bad customer yeah. service is 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 the one. There's a couple of you know, but but yeah, there's there's really not that many. You're right, but those it's, it's unfortunate. Those are the ones that um people like you said you you know soup Nazi, and it's like everyone does. Mm. Mm. Well, I'd argue that soup Nazi is an episode about what the limits are between um between kind of like genius and like how mental you're allowed to be in public i think it's about like the constant tension between how poorly are you allowed to behave if you are good enough at what you do i think it's more about separating the art from Mm. the artist or actually more Mm. precisely wedding the art to the artist i think that's what the soup nuts is about his Mm. bad customer services is secondary say what you will about the nazis great soup I kind of, I kind of, maybe that's a bad example because almost I feel like the soup Nazi is, is, uh, aspirational for the mm, worker. So he's, he's in control of his domain. He he's is a dictating. He's a union. Yeah, absolutely. He's dictating to the customer what they're going to get. And, yeah. you know, if they don't like it, they can get the fuck out. Mm. The soup Nazi works yeah. to rule and we should respect <laughs> that. Yeah, I find I think uh, in the you know in the question of like the air, the air stewardesses the air stewards um, I do I I kind of view them they're a little bit on the same continuum for me as like nightclub bouncers where they're like it's one of the few customer service interactions where you as a customer have no power mm. because like you're in this situation where they can just treat you like a child. And like, no matter how reasonable you're being, they can be like, sit the fuck down and shut up. You know um, what though? Like- it's just, you don't have that as a customer in any other situation. So I, I would say I have more, they, they, they're definitely like the only customer service people who actually irritate me sometimes. That is not true at all. Any kind of hairdresser or beauty therapist, you have mm. absolutely zero power in that, like in that interaction. Uh, interesting. Yes, I don't experience that. your neck. True, but you can also not. You ever tried to argue with a hairdresser? Awful. They can, they can, they can fuck up your whole deal for like weeks, months while that grows they can out. Can put you in a pie. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's the worst kind. That's the worst thing that will happen to you, a hairdresser. What, what I'll say though is, as somebody who who was a bouncer for quite some time, um, the mm. people who don't know the rule you're talking about are the people who absolutely need know that rule. Like most people don't <laughs> understand mm. that if the bouncer says to leave or to stop it that's kind of the end of it there is no like there's not really much coming you're not going to argue your way out of that the people who need to know yeah. that rule are the ones that don't and so mm. to hear that i don't think i've ever heard anyone say that out loud besides myself and other bouncers <laughs> and so that was uh I, I, yeah most people don't know that unfortunately yeah no i can imagine i i had um the funniest interaction with some bouncers a while back where i got thrown out of a bar for like something that just some other guy did and i didn't want to be there anyway so i sort of didn't care but my girlfriend and her friends were still in there and then i i get thrown out and then this guy's like dressing me down for smoking in there and i'm like i wasn't smoking in there and then the guy's like proper yelling at me he's like i told you four separate times not to smoke in there and i'm like (laughs) dude this guy was like a fucking six foot eight huge west african guy i'm like dude if you told me four times not to smoke in there i wouldn't have been smoking in there (laughs) believe me like that's not (laughs) <laughs> like how confident do you think I am? Like you're talking to a different guy, and then he he was just like not having any of it. Like you think I'm stupid, and I'm like, no, I'm just confused. 
And then like the other bouncers, I think because they could tell that I wasn't drunk and I wasn't angry either. I was just being like, look, I get it. You're mad, but you're just mad at a different guy. Like that guy's still in there. You're not you're not seeing the problem here. Not only are you throwing me out, whatever, but the that guy is still in there. (laughs) That's what's happening right now. Um, and then in the end, the other guys were being like, well, maybe you should let him back in because he seems fine. And then they decided that there was like an honor code of bouncers where the first mm-hmm. bouncer was mad enough mm-hmm. that even though the yeah. others were confident yeah. that I, it you wasn't me. undermine exactly. the authority. Yeah. There's no going back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They were like, we're sorry about this, but it is like, it's the samurai code of the bouncers. Well, it's, it's we like the thin you. blue line. It's the, you know, there's <laughs> one one bad apple spoils the bunch. You know, yeah. they're, they're not going to get in line behind you, a, a civilian. yeah. yeah. But then they let me back in to get my girlfriend and her friends, right? And I go in there and then they just go, where did you go? And I was like, I got dragged out of here by like a huge bouncer while I was stood next to you. How did you not notice? They just thought I'd like left. So you're, you're really kidnappable when you're with your friends is what I'm hearing. That's, 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 yeah. that's, that's good to know. You know, there is a good chance, too, mm. that that bouncer just was being very funny, but only to him. Because I, cause I, I mean, yeah. I, I would like to do a thing every once in a while where I would like to, to pretend that all the white guys were the same white guy. And, and just and I would, you know, mischaracterize them on purpose, letting them know that yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, just, there's just two guys with glasses in this place. And I'm, I'm going to convolute <laughs> you two on purpose. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just I, a little oh, game. I have to say, as... As someone with stand-up comedy brain, the the temptation to go, do we all look the same to you? But also the knowledge that that was the worst thing I could possibly say. But it's true. You, it, but the thing is, it's true. Yeah. I'm sure we do. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you pick out two of the average white guys in any London nightclub. Well, they they're dressed the same. You know, I I see it. I'm sympathetic to that. Um. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, Jerry Seinfeld gets back to his apartment. The barbecue sauce, it's all over his luggage. Kramer is trying to salvage the sauce by <laughs> scraping it off the shirt onto a plate. And yeah, that was one of, the funniest, yeah. uh, one of the funniest bits in the, in the show for me. It was when he was, yeah, scraping it onto a plate so he could just dip white bread into it. <laughs> Seinfeld was like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, I'm not going to let it go to waste. Uh, so it's a beautiful line delivery as well when like Jerry's freaking out about it because he doesn't have anything to talk about on the Charles, on the Charles Grodin show and so Kramer just says calm down we can still salvage some of the sauce which I just think is I just think is very it's very just very lovely very lovely yeah. depiction of of two very different lives with very different sets of priorities and I've got more sympathy for Kramer's priorities um totally this, because yeah the so- the sauce I don't know if we said it but the the whole reason he's bringing the bottle back is because the label has a guy who looks like charles groden and yeah. seinfeld is gonna do the charles groden show <laughs> and bring the bottle up as part of his bit to be like hey don't they look the same and which i mean i i'm hoping that's like a joke about how bad some material can be or like a, d- a dearth of of the material oh, he no, had no, no. prepared it, no, no no it is we've actually had this for like a couple of episodes running now um they've obviously decided they obviously decided at some point during during season seven which is what we're on right now that it would be mm. really really funny if the going understanding amongst his families and friends is that yeah he's a successful comedian but he is not funny they do not like <laughs> they do not like or respect his work yeah. his parents don't his parents friends don't and his friends don't and this is something that you've, you've had like a couple of like couple of hints of it before but they really really go in hard on it uh from season seven and this is why when like kramer says well why don't you do your material he goes i'm all out i'm all out because he doesn't <laughs> because yeah he doesn't have any jokes 
and uh, they have a, a similar thing with Elaine later on. Have we had mm. have we had Elaine and George in the in the cafe? Did we skip out that scene? Uh, no, we haven't got there yet. Got there yet. Yeah, got there. Okay, okay. We're doing really yeah. well, guys. We're doing so well. Oh, we're, do- we're only we're doing so well. I believe in, in us. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Jer- Jerry's plot is that he spends the rest of the episode trying to get material to take on the Charles Grodin show and eventually he convinces because th- this college roommate it, she's coming to New York to hang out with Susan so he asks her to bring this uh, barbecue sauce with her he's also she brings- he's also furious because yeah. she knew she was coming to New York mm-hmm. and you also find out in this scene that he, she's that she is an executive for Federal Express so she yeah. <laughs> so it is completely insane and like Stephen King character for her to have insisted on him like bringing this bringing this suitcase. She's like she is his she is his like kind of demonic other. And in fact you do see Sally Weaver again mm. later on. Um and they and they do pick up that dynamic again with uh, the- with Gusto. <laughs> she should be being played by Tony Collette. This is what I want. Sure. This is what I want for the Sally Weaver character. I feel like making her an executive at FedEx is a, is a pretty <laughs> bold choice. You know, you could have just said like, I don't know, she she does packaging or something, but it's just yeah. a no. She's an executive, no, therefore no, uh, she would have this one. <laughs> yeah, would have been able to ship the package, no problem. No, who she'd have been able to like service. ship this thing like using technology that they didn't even have in the nineties. This is the level to which she is like Queen FedEx. But that's the oh, thing she's actually to, uh, the the founder of DHL. <laughs> she she the thing is no one understands the true cost of shipping something and why you need to take any inconvenience you can more than the executive of FedEx. Mm. You know, yeah, that, yeah, you know that what? Is true, yeah. That's true. That's true. Maybe she was uh, maybe she was thinking environmentally. I mm. I just had someone yeah. say like, hey, I have this free thing for you. Can you just pay for shipping? And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's really that's a really I will take that free thing. And then they sent me yeah. the receipt for the shipping. <laughs> and it was so expensive. <laughs> and it said, and and it it said was, a it was, kilo of heroin and one bomb. It was. But mm. I hope it's not that. No, it, I'll, I'll be. I'll tell you what it was. It was. It's a computer. Um, someone's like, I'm going to send oh, you this. Wow. I, I have this. I, I built this computer. You can have it. I want you to have this computer. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. And they're like, uh, I'll, and actually, they didn't even say. They didn't even say like pay for shipping. I said, you know what? Let me pay for shipping. Let me do something here. Oof. Oof. And it was two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, and man, I was that's like, like a thirty shit. pound box, I dude. I didn't see that coming. And I had to be like, "Here you go. Here's the money you didn't even ask for, but I did say that I'll do it." So I don't know what I was. I was expecting like I was expecting one hundred and fifty, not two hundred and fifty. And yeah, to be clear, Tony yeah. already has a computer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, but yes. You just, you just yes. wanted another one. I I think we'll both be grateful for this. I think <laughs> this is a good thing. <laughs> Two hundred fifty dollars yeah, is still pretty good for a computer. Like, sure, that's, that's a good way to look at it. It's still, a, it's still a bargain. Well, if I could have just shut the mm. fuck up, it would have still been a free computer. I think <laughs> if I would have just not said anything. Who's this mysterious computer benefactor who's just mailing out computers for free? They, they rule. The, Shout out to them. Even I, thank expensive. you. I appreciate you so much. I, I'm just I'm just an idiot who doesn't know uh, how the real world works. <laughs> Damn, snaked again, snaked it's again. Like taking out like kind of thousands of dollars and just being like, "Is this? Do I give this to you in exchange? Mm. Is this what I do now?" Yeah, yeah. And it's just like they're just yeah, falling yeah. out of your hands. 
And so the actually the piesta resistance of the whole package thing is that it turns out to be a doormat that says the Costanzas on it. <laughs> yeah, so which it's not George a tall, opens so and is immediately disgusted by. Yeah, yeah, but I he's feel not like a tall you fragile. cannot he's not a tall open fragile. your fiance's girlfriend's present to you both and then immediately throw it away before even showing it to her. I think even okay, for I, Costanza, that is rogue behavior. I disagree. I take a hard stance. I think this is. I think this is fine. I would. If I thought mm. I could get away with it, I would happily dispose of half of the things that come to our house. Right. Okay. It depends. <laughs> like, if I don't know, if you and your partner are on the same wavelength, I, I mm. totally support looking yeah. at something and being being, being like, like, no, neither of us like this shit. Get it yeah. out of here. You, mm. you don't need to get my vote on something for the most part. Uh, but George and his fiance are on exact opposite wavelengths. They are, yeah. Uh, and mm. he he seems like he's miserable about her just in general. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he, yeah. he he is he has been trying to get out of this engagement basically since it. Oh, began. okay. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, which is um, the best way to treat an engagement, if you ask me. I feel like though, if someone has if someone has sent us a fucked up gift, I want to see it. Like I I need it, even, even more so. Yeah, I'm like, show it to me. Show me the fucked up gift. Yeah, and then you can throw it away together. Yeah, but like, but like the doormat, it's like mm. it's not a fucked up gift particularly. It's just a terrible gift. It's just like a terrible mm. cheap gift. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That doormat, I was looking at that doormat and I was thinking, that's a thick like, you know doormat. What? This is a cu- thick, <laughs> crusty looks, doormat. Like, it looks, looks pretty fine. good. Yeah. This Again, is actually like a kind of gourmet doormat. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. Like, it's just like shipping. Like, I tell you what, go to your local store and look at the doormat to see if they hold up to that quality. They just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> yeah. The gourmet like, for the like gourmand. examining like the it's nap a, and the like, pile in the doormat, just being like, yeah, this is yeah. this is a this is good quality matting. We got to keep mm. this forever. This will clean your boots. Yeah. Um. So Although yeah. If you uh, live in a New York apartment, like, where are you putting the doormat? Do you put it out? Do you put it like in the hallway? Yeah, in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, yeah. Interesting. Um. And so any apartment is where actually, we need not to New York apartments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's you know what that. That's that's a really good point. I assume that it's pretty yeah. much the same everywhere. When I've we when I've to, lived uh, in flats, I have not had a doormat. It's not it's not common in well in the UK. If you had a doormat in a flat, you'd probably be more likely to have it inside the flat. I would say mm. that's one of our American stereotypes about you guys is that you guys are disgusting people with no doormats. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's, that's no, they right. don't use doormats, that's right? right. We don't have yeah. ice. We don't have tumble dryers. Yeah. We're like yeah. treading our muddy feet mm. all over the house. It's yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we live like hobbits, you know. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> basically, at this point, we do need to cover the conversation in the in the cafe. So, uh, yeah. George and Frank are hanging out in the cafe. Elaine joins them. Uh, Frank is announcing that because uh, him and Elaine, sorry, him and Estelle will not be moving to Florida, he's going to turn George's bedroom into a billiard room. Um. And then Elaine starts telling him about the photo that her and the maestro took of a guy in Italy uh, sat in front of a sign that says Costanza. And he becomes obsessed with the idea that maybe it's his cousin. And so he wants a copy of the photo, but the maestro has the only one. And Elaine is very embarrassed to talk to the maestro because she hasn't spoken to him since she spilled wine on his signed picture of the third one of the three tenors. The other guy. The other guy. Yeah, a lot going on. Even in this subplot, yeah. there's so many like el- so, elements so to it. So many layers. Uh, I do like, like trying to read I, fucking Ulysses. You're like sitting there with the footnotes, just being like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, it, it feels like a uh, whatever chart you know 
make your own adventure book where each one yeah. of these could flip to a whole new chapter. Um, but I do, I do like Frank is, you know, I think it was Elaine was like, Oh, so you weren't born in America. And he's like, no. And that's, that's uh, I could never be president. And that's why I don't participate in politics. Yeah. Cause if they don't, they don't want me. I don't want them. And I, I thought that was pretty funny. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's a, there's another mm. great um, Costanza line, a uh, Frank Costanza line later on, um, which I just want to flag up before I forget about it which is after he opens the billiards room and he says, yeah, we're calling it, we're calling it, we're calling it the place to be. Um, <laughs> and it takes him like a good 30 seconds to remember this very basic name that they've come up for. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's arguably former, one of the best parts of the, of the show, period. Of Victoria. He is, yeah. Yeah. We love him. R.I.P. R.I.P. Frank Costanza. You know, so um, uh, I, I just came back from Australia and all of the, much like they do in the States, all of the Australian states, they have like a little motto. Um, and so like Queensland is like the sunshine state, whatever, all, all this kind of shit. However, bizarrely, the state of Victoria keeps changing theirs like every few years. So when you walk around Melbourne, like every car and they have it on like the license plates for the cars, mm -hmm. but like cars of different ages have just completely different shit written on there. And there's various, there's like the education state, there's the place to be. There's all kinds of shit depending on the age of the car. But there's there's one that they had for a while, which is fucking crazy. And it just says, Victoria, stay alert, stay alive. <laughs> 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 like, just the most threatening thing to have written on a car license plate. Victoria, lace your keys through your fingers. <laughs> yeah. Purge rules are now in session. I do think we, we do need yeah. to take, like, uh, that's one of those things. I think we need to take driving more seriously. I think that's good. Like, mm. I think every license plate should say, like, remember, not paying attention could kill you and others. Yeah. Mm. What well, they have on, like, like they have on, like, road signs? Yeah. Like, like, I want them like, on every like, license plate. Like, tiredness costs lives. Take a break. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Texting and driving is, a, is, is lethal. Yeah, it should every license plate should just have the final text message sent by a dead teen. Wow. Yeah, that's what it is. And we just know that's what it is, even if it's really wild, a wild thing to read. <laughs> it's like just a really bizarre, like, weed order. We're like, oh my God, bestie. And you're like, what does that mean? Just, you're really sad now. The final. Is it, it's playing the TikTok they were recording as they were killed. They were doing like a Vogue dance behind the wheel. Yeah. 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 That would be good. That would be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> they should have those in planes, you know, not knowing how to land costs lives. Mm. <laughs> um, all that, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> lost my, lost my train of thought here. Right, they should so, have yeah. a picture of like foiled plane bombers on like the back mm. of every seat to like reassure <laughs> you. Mm. This is how unlikely it is that uh, yeah. that you're going to buy it in this particular scenario. In, in every shoe store, they should have warnings about <laughs> misuse of shoes. Yeah, um, do not sell shoes to these men. <laughs> yeah, do not right. sell shoes to this baby. It, he will be ungrateful. Be very wary of men who turn down the warranty at the shoe store, <laughs> saying they're not going to need it. <laughs> Was that a joke about the baby? The baby's <laughs> shoes were never worn because yeah. the baby didn't like them. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. That yeah, right. a little asshole baby the whole time. <laughs> we were sad about nothing. It was real. It was a it stingy was really baby. Just a, it was sad that your baby was really is such just a an bitch. Just an ungrateful baby. Yeah, it's really mm. just a very true story of like somebody who bought shoes for a kid, didn't see the kid for a little while, and the kid clearly grew out of them. 
and now they just have kid mm. shoes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's a slightly longer word count, but like with yeah. the workshopping, <laughs> I think we can get it back down to Hemingway's ba- baby shoes. <laughs> to Hemingway's exploded. Uh, my baby was the shoe bomber. Wow, that's that's even sadder. I think. I, I gave sadder, to the sadder shoe bomber. and shorter. That is shorter. Sadder yeah. and shorter. Yeah, mm. you did it. We're all we're all someone's baby, even the shoe bomber. Um, oh, that's, so that's a that's a good point. That was his defense in court, actually. Um, <laughs> I would have tried to raise the shoe once. baby. Wah. Yeah, speaking as a former baby, I yeah. So uh, Kramer is uh, he's taken with this doormat, and he decides he's going to take it around to Frank Costanza uh, to inveigle Frank into letting him play pool with him. So he goes around there. Uh, him and Frank play pool for ages, but the room is too small for the pool cues. So real, so mm. real. Mm. This is everybody who's tried to have uh, a pool table set up in their garage or in a spare bedroom oh, yeah. uh, does not work. Yeah, and it That's also because, find it like, whenever you... pool tables in like private homes are always a kind of triumph of like triumph of hope over experience measurement at like yeah, any yeah, kind yeah. of practical consideration because people think that somehow somehow the space is going to distort itself in time. That's what the audacity of hope was about. <laughs> yeah, it's about trying and also to, dreams it's about trying from to my put father. a fucking football table in your garage. That's what yeah, <laughs> that's Obama's what it's father about. wanted a pool table in the garage. That was his great Have you ever tried to put a, a pool table in your house? Well, that's kind of what it's like trying to get a black man in office. <laughs> this scene is like, I, I, I love this scene though. Like, it's so great. It's, mm. it's, the, it's these two like physical comedy geniuses doing a minute of small room pool table physical comedy and it's hilarious. Yeah. Mm. They just don't yeah. make them oh, like they great. used to type moment. We all, we skipped over it. We don't need to go back to it except for just the one part that I liked when they open the box and see how like, oh, it's just a mat at the bottom of this giant box uh, and yeah, there's all yeah, this yeah. styrofoam no, packing and mm. Jerry's complaining about how he still doesn't have a bit to do on the Charles Grodin show. I love Kramer. <laughs> trying to come up with a Seinfeld bit about styrofoam. He's like, well, you could talk about styrofoam. And Jerry's like, what? And he's like, well, I don't know. It's just, it's messy and it's so little. Why does it got to be so little? And I'm like, yeah, pitch perfect. That's that's an exact Jerry Seinfeld joke. It's it's the running theme of they all have absolute contempt for what Jerry does for a living. And they're like, how difficult can it be? You just say it's styrofoam. Why is it so small? And he's like, oh, well, and Jerry's like, well, what's the punchline? He's all, well, it's all about attitude. You know, he just like raises his eyebrow. That's the real shit of all time. I love that. (laughs) It is all about attitude. Mm-hmm. It is all about attitude, for sure. <laughs> for sure. What was it? Uh, yeah, uh, my my girlfriend the other day referred to one of my friends who also works in the arts as not having a job, but just like offhandedly in like a way that you could tell it was like totally what she actually thought. And I was like, no, it is a job. It's just not very well remunerated. <laughs> and I was like, that's how she thinks about me too. I've learned this now. This is uh, um, who does she think doesn't have a job? Oh yeah, no, he doesn't um, have a job. Yeah, sounds like he doesn't have a job. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's not what good. I heard. That's yeah. what I heard right now. <laughs> what else? What, yeah, I think yeah, Annabelle's right on this one. Yeah, so uh, we get the scene with uh, Kramer and uh, uh, Mister Mister Costanza Frank. playing playing pool. Meanwhile, uh, Elaine is uh, off trying to. She goes to try and get a uh, a signed 
picture of the other tenor for the uh, the maestro. Jerry has this woman turns up with the barbecue sauce, but she's brought a different barbecue sauce because she's like, well, this one is better. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, I specifically wanted that one for a reason. She's like, yeah, but in Memphis, that sauce is kind of a joke. And he's like, yeah, I told me it's for a joke. She's a horror character. She's not yeah. a comedy character. She's a horror character. I'm really, also- I'm really sticking with this. She's also like the mirror image of Jerry Seinfeld, who was trying to convince Elaine to adopt his electric toothbrush. And Elaine was like, I don't want your electric toothbrush. And he's like, I don't understand. I've had your toothbrush. I know the level of quality of your toothbrush. This one's better. Why wouldn't you just accept that it's better based on my advice? And she's like, because I don't care. And that's, you know, fair enough. It's a good response. Kathy Griffin uses the exact same argument to be like, well, this sauce is better. I'm Mm. from Memphis. Trust me that this is the one you actually want. In scrupulous fairness to uh, to the monster who is potentially in some kind <clears throat> of in some kind of Baphomet worshipping cult, with all fairness to her, if Jerry had said, "I need this specific sauce because I'm using it as part of my appearance on this show," then she probably wouldn't have gone off piste and. And brought I disagree because sword. later with the doll, she makes the executive decision despite him telling oh, her yeah, that it's for true. the joke. And she's true. like, no, that's not the funny doll. This is the funny doll. That's true. That's true. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a tricky one. A tricky there's one. no defending um, her is what there's I'm saying. No, there's no defending her. She's, she is evil. She is yeah. truly, truly monstrous. Yeah. She's not like the shoe bomber. She don't is never in, anyone's don't baby. Don't go in her treehouse. She has got some fucked up things in her treehouse. Yeah, um, that's correct. So, um, yeah, basically that 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 is that is ongoing. Um, uh, Frank and Kramer meet up with the maestro to get a copy of this photo. Frank becomes obsessed with the idea that it is indeed his um, his cousin. Uh, the maestro also teaches him this trick that he doesn't sit down in his trousers before the show so that the, the crease remains good. Mm-hmm. And he sat there like in his in his pants. This is a show. good so life then- hack. <laughs> I have adopted yeah, it in my own life. over his shoes. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. Mm. Maybe he has put the trousers on over his shoes. Unusually narrow. Yeah, well, feet. Seinfeld takes them off, takes his trousers off over his shoes. So, yeah, I think you're supposed mm. to leave the shoes on, which is weird. Yeah, he gets mm. up and he's he's pantsless, you know, to leave, and they're like, "What the hell?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, it keeps the crease in your pants." I think I think it's more normal to be hanging out in your underwear than it is to care about the crease in your pants. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't. They're all mm. obsessed with the crease. Like oh. this trick gets passed through each other. You know, like a game of telephone. It winds up to Jerry because they all love the trick so much. Mm. I don't give a fuck about your the crease in your pants. Doesn't Jerry Seinfeld wear mom jeans anyway? Is he creasing the mom jeans too? I think he's creasing the mom jeans. Mm. None of them are wearing but formal this, enough this clothing. But this guy's a maestro. And that's that's what kind of what's funny about it. This guy's a maestro. This guy is going to have his back creases facing a huge audience where they might pay attention to it. But that's what's mm-hmm. funny about it is like, so they also think that they're like maestro level and they're not. Like they're not. Totally. Like, Jerry, you're not, you're facing mm. the crowd. Yeah. They <laughs> don't need the crowd. Who do you think also, you are? Also, the maestro, I think, was sitting on, was sitting on his tails, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> he was still sitting on his yeah, tails, yeah, yeah. but just wow. not his pants. 
Huge blunder from the Seinfeld writing team. Tails between his legs. Well, maybe yeah. you don't need um, to insure the crease in the there tails. There is no crease in the tails, actually, but I was exactly. worried about wrinkled, huh? So maybe, you know what? I don't know your, what I'm talking about. I'm not a maestro. Your tails can be wrinkled as long oh, as you've still got, a little, you've still got my, the crease. As long crease. as the crease is sharp, no one's looking at your tails. Yeah. My dad, back in the day, used to go to Hong Kong for work a lot. And they had this um, business partner who they used to razz a lot. He's just that kind of guy who just like, Shit would always go wrong for him just continually. And they were in Hong Kong. It's like in the 80s. They're staying in this hotel. And this guy has put his jeans into the hotel laundry. But I guess jeans just weren't so common in Hong Kong then. And they just sent his jeans back. And they'd like ironed a crease into the front of them like suit trousers. (laughs) And starched it. So he's having to just walk around with these like suit pleat jeans on. Awesome. That rules. That could be Jerry. He could be doing that. We We need more starch crease jeans again. We need to bring those back. Mm, absolutely i think so i think that that'll be the new fashion the zoomers will be doing it it'll be low rise but with a pleat down the front it's actually happening right now and it's a pair of wranglers it's a it's a pair of wrangler uh like boot cut chinos that are jean that they are creasing it's happening right now sorry that sounds like a made-up article of clothing does that article of clothing really a wrangler boot specifically wranglers and that's the deal is that they're cheap and everyone's like look at these cool cheap jeans Mm. and that's really uh, i'm happy that's happening but this yeah that's actually happening so crease jeans paging paging hussein right now um yeah, so uh, that's they they invite the maestro back to theirs to play pool. They all hang their trousers up. They're playing pool. Uh, the maestro's playing music. Estelle walks in on them all, and you can tell she's just like, "What the fuck is going on here? This is this is yeah." She shit. thinks they're gay. She thinks it's this is what a gay orgy looks like. This yeah. is a this yeah. is a this is a this is a callback to a previous episode where Estelle walks in on. Uh, uh, Frank and Kramer uh, both wearing bras for men, and forms a similar and forms a similar conclusion. But it doesn't seem as if she has put her foot down and attempted to curtail this friendship. So maybe she's she's, maybe an she's ally. keen to let him to let her husband, you know, experiment. You know, see how he see how he feels. <laughs> she's just trying to get rid of him. You know, whatever. Um, yeah. So. George's plot, meanwhile, is that uh, Susan has this new doll, which she really likes, but it looks like Estelle. And it's then a do- it's, a doll. Imagining- it's her doll collection. It's her like priceless doll collection from when she was a kid, because Susan is supposed to be like an ultra rich wasp, and as such, has a doll collection, which she's still a little bit weird about as an adult woman, which I think is mm. very well observed. And it's a weird doll. It's collection a fucking too, weird yeah. doll collection. I, I don't I don't care for a doll collection myself. I don't I don't mind individual dolls. It's when you start grouping them together that they start giving me the spooks. Mm. Displaying yeah. them yeah, at the all. Yeah, doll really does it like Estelle. Mm. Yeah. Having them in your I head. Had, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I was growing up, my mom had like an antique doll collection. My mom is like she's like a cultivator. She's got mm-hmm. she loves like home goods and all that stuff. So she's got a ton of stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I guess the dolls were like my first experience with that sort of thing. And she had them lining our bedroom on a shelf at at you know at like almost ceiling level. And they just and we had a bunk bed, and I was the top bunk. And I was the older child. Mm-hmm. So I just fell asleep having to look at these dolls every night. And I uh, I remember, I, yeah, I just I had a dream mm. where they were like all coming to life and like Naturally, moving around yeah. robotically <laughs> just while I was like terrified in my bed. Mm. Yeah, yeah not, that, that not is what good. I would dream every night if that was if that's what I was looking yeah. at. 
I think the I've, your sleep paralysis demon. I think I have probably told the story on Mike before, but it, it but it's so relevant. Um, years ago, when I was at school, I went to a friend's house for a sleepover for her birthday, and I suppose we were like like eleven or twelve. It was like we just started a new school, and so this was the first time I or anyone had been to her house. Um, mm-hmm. That was the first time I or any of us had been to her house, and. We got shown into the living room where we were going to be speaking, uh, sleeping rather, sorry. And at one end of the living room was this glass cabinet full of fucking dummies because her dad oh. collected like... What is in, as in like dummies in the sense of like pacifiers? Like, no, oh, like ventriloquists, no. dummies. Oh, right. Okay, right. Fucking wooden, yeah, exactly. Oh no, that Vin- makes like it worse. Vintage wooden things there was like there was like a clown ventriloquist dummy and there and it was just cramming this glass case and we were all just looking at it like it is there any way that we can sleep in a different room other than other than the dummy room and it's but there were too many of us and there there, there was there was just not there was just not another room that you could like fit all of us in and then it sort of turned into a okay well let's draw lots and see who can like just like go up to one of the bedrooms and just like sleep there away from the dummies. And then because we were twelve year old girls, that like end like, that that ended in like I think one of the biggest rows I've ever <laughs> been kind of uh, been like you know kind of witness to. Um, and it ended up with yeah one girl like just having like a hysterical tantrum because she mm. thought that the birthday girl had deliberately given her a short straw because she didn't even <laughs> want her there and her mum had made her invite her or something, some shit. And I was just like, I don't wow. care. I just don't want to sleep in the room with the dummies. Mm-hmm. Those, that's bad yeah. parenting. I feel like it's I feel like moving parenting. the dummies is way easier than just cutting than cutting straws. What are you doing? You just put a bed sheet over it, over <laughs> yeah. the glass case. Yeah, you can you Problem can burn solved. them all in front mm. of the kids. Well, that's how you put them to bed. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, very weird behavior from yeah. uh, Susan. Is that her name? Yeah. Here, yeah, yeah. Uh, in- insisting on displaying the dolls at like the foot of the bed. Yeah, like she's a, a nine-year-old horse girl or something. Yeah. And then uh, as you know, he notices the doll that looks exactly like Estelle. It's like model. It's a special doll modeled after his, his or is it Edith? What is her name? Estelle. Uh, Estelle. Yeah, mm. modeled after her essentially. It's a really cool looking doll, to be honest. Um, and then she, yeah, she eventually wants to bring the doll to bed, and and they're like getting down. They're she's like starting to kiss him and stuff, and he's like, I can't do it. You know, it looks like my mother. And she's like, Oh, but when I was nine, I always slept with my dollies. And he's like, Oh, okay, I'm turned on now, definitely. <laughs> so that, so that's so fine. Weird. Like we don't need to discuss that at all. Yeah. No, absolutely not. No need to. No. Um, good. We're all uh, good. So yeah, and and George has some sort of hallucinations where he thinks that the doll is <laughs> criticizing him and stuff, and he's arguing with it. And there's a and there's a lovely little callback uh, where we see for the f- for the second and final time we see his old friend Dina, who is already under the impression that he is subject to mad delusions, and then she sees him talking like mm. yelling at this doll that looks like his mother. Which is just, it's just nice. It's just a nice little detail for the real heads. Yeah, we all have our little delusions. 
Um, I think it's very yeah, funny so- that Susan absolutely doesn't see it, despite the fact it is literally <laughs> uncanny. I think that's like, I think it's funnier that she is just like, what, you're crazy, rather than rather than like agreeing that it does a bit. I think that's funny. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. also think uh, gaslighting your partner is very funny. It's hilarious <laughs> behavior. <laughs> I mean, if, if anything, maybe yeah. your mom looks like my doll. Have you thought about that? That's a really good point. Oh, that's a really yeah, good yeah, point. Yeah. Exactly. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't know the vintage mom. of the doll. Yeah. Yeah. No one's told us that. <laughs> yeah. Estelle Costanza's parents were like, we're going to we're gonna make a baby that looks like that doll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to focus on it while I'm fucking you and really try and hone in on that as an aesthetic. What if the doll had a had an evil spirit in it and then they exercised the doll and the spirit went into a baby that became Estelle, a crotchety old woman, the yeah, worst, worst kind of demon. That's another that's another really good point, which I think that we should be I think we should be assembling these points and maybe send them mm. directly to Larry David just to, <laughs> yeah, just to we'll see get, how we'll he just nice to see how he, ha- how he handles going. that. See how you handle yeah. that, David. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then the sort of the denouement of the episode is they're, they're all at the, uh, at Jerry's, uh, appearance on the Charles Grodin show. Uh, not only has, uh, she brought the wrong barbecue sauce, but this woman then turns up with the wrong doll because she thinks that this doll is funnier and Jerry had planned to show a picture of a cell and, and yeah. the doll and like try and riff something on that. And so then he's Which got no idea what he's going to do. I've got a sauce bottle that looks like you. <laughs> like that's funnier. <laughs> It is. It is slightly funnier. Yeah. Um, it's all a bit open mic. I'll say that. Um, it is. It is weird sometimes watching this show as a stand up comedian and watching some of the like the, the foibles of the life of the stand up comedian that they try and include. And some of them are like they do. They do cut cut quite close to home and others of them. I'm just like, what? You're when I read to- in the. Sorry, when I read in the Wikipedia plot synopsis, like right before I started watching that Jerry Seinfeld was trying to include a bottle of barbecue sauce in one of his routines, I was like, what the, what the fuck is this episode going to be about? Yeah. And sort of by the end, you still don't know in a way. Um, but yeah, so he and then and then he takes his trousers off in the green room because he doesn't want the crease. You know, Kramer has cut him in on this little trick. And then uh, the third one of the three tenors, who is also on the show, wipes his mouth on them after eating spaghetti. And you never find out how this resolves. Yeah. Other than possibly Jerry going out trouserless and with no material. <laughs> and he, uh, I think he probably bombs. I, I kind of expect when they when they cut away from mm-hmm. it and, and then they cut to a different scene, I just expected him to be like mad about bombing. But yeah, he still probably made like $50,000 for his appearance. But also... If he was a re- if he was a real comedian, he would just tell the story of the various of the various indignities that Sally Weaver has put him through. Yeah, that's absolutely. The, there yeah. it is. That's 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 the bit. That's the bit. It's a gift. And if you're mad enough, it will carry. Yeah. I thought that was what he was going to do, but then they yeah. just you know they left us hanging on that one. Got Tim uh, Burton there lane- in his dressing room, being like, "Jerry, that's the story." <laughs> Elaine has managed to get the third of the three tenors to sign a poster so she can take it to the maestro. She takes it over there. Uh, here's the maestro a fun, here's a fun little, little bit of trivia. Do we know the name of the third tenor? Absolutely not. And I, no. and I was mad that the, the other people in the episode knew even the names of two of the tenors. <laughs> I'm like, fuck off. I only know mm. I only know Placido Domingo's name because there was a character on Sesame Street called Placido Flamingo 
who was the conductor <laughs> and he was a flamingo. And so I just He's always remember it. flamingo. His name is Jose Carreras, is the third tenor. Mm. And it's not him playing him. Oh, I thought bummer. for a minute it was like it was actually him, but it's not. Yeah, it's just is a guy Pavarotti one of the tenors? He yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Pavarotti, yeah. So Domingo I know Pavarotti, but yeah, but like I don't, I don't even, I didn't even associate him with the three tenors yeah. who, who I, I guess had heard of in passing, but really do not care. All right, <laughs> they were cracking at this Luciano. time. They were really, they were really popping around this this era. Uh, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, I, I remember like my my parents going to see him when I was a kid and stuff like that. My grandparents going to see him. Uh, you know, real real Italian shit. You know. Mm. Hmm. So it's also it's just it's just real real old person stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. You you can't imagine a young guy being like, "Oh, I'm going to going to three tennis tonight." Well, they weren't that old in the nineties. Yeah, and no, like, I don't the, think and they like the maestro is not like the maestro is not like especially young. Like he's supposed to be in his like late thirties, I guess. And his yeah. his fi- the final scene of the of the episode is him performing to like an old folks' home where. Yeah. I guess yeah. they would have like a full concert. It, it's funny because they show the exterior locating shot and it looks like a very down, you know, rundown s- slum sort of, I, I, I guess, old mm. folks home. Uh, but then they have a full orchestra and <laughs> and maestro performing for them, which is very nice. Well, there's a running Happy joke about budget. the maestro that he's like that he is a professional conductor, but he is like he's not a maestro. He insists on everyone calling him maestro, but he's just like. He's just a guy who happens to be a conductor, and he always has. What's these, the like, difference? Um, yeah, uh, I thought uh, the maestro was just a title that is a for really a good conductor. Question. No, 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 it like it, it like it, it like any conductor can be called maestro, but it's a bit comical. Yeah, to call the guy who to conducts on it. Yeah, the guy who conducts like this, like the like the orchestra playing at this old folks' home. Like it's he like it's comical need to, be to call doing him tales. maestro. Sorry. He probably doesn't need to be wearing tails. He can probably. He probably chill. doesn't need to be wearing tails. He could do that. He could do that yeah. in a lounge suit. He could do that yeah. in a morning he's, suit. He's, he's more no, of a, he's no of a switch or a visa. Yeah. Um, I did like how how game he was to join the the pool community to to like go mm. visit the billiards room <laughs> when when Frank because they're trying to get the photo to you know and he's like well you could come over to the billiards room and and he's like you know it's it's what do you call it the place to be and he's like well I guess I'll be there he's like it, it genuinely excited to go over to some dude's house and play pool yeah. I thought that was nice yeah the billiards room. Um, it, stay alert stay alive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think I guess he's supposed I guess to be kind of starved of male companionship because he mm, makes everyone mm. around him call him maestro and so he kind of gets known as a bit of a drag I think that's kind of what the issue is here yeah, fair enough um, yeah, yeah uh, we, so- we did skip when that, that scene where they are shooting pool yeah. and the maestro leaves the room well I guess we talked about it but we didn't talk yeah. about the part where Kramer figures out that he can use the maestro's conducting wand as a much shorter pool cue, which is much more effective in the tiny quarters mm. of the spare bedroom and actually mm. uh, cl- cleans up, actually runs the table with uh, this this little baton. Mm. Pretty funny. Yeah. Which I would imagine doesn't have the necessary weight to, you know, it couldn't generate the momentum necessary to really function as a pool cue. Um those are the kind of boring thoughts that I have when I'm watching. Well, it, it might like be. This. It might be like really. Re- it might be really reinforced. You don't know. Could, could be a lead baton. You know, we can't say for certain. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it breaks when the maestro's on stage, and then suddenly, the, because the baton is broken, the orchestra can no longer play. They all start playing yeah. wrong. He should be stripped um, of his maestro title. A true conductor can conduct in any circumstances and using anything. Like, surely also, you, you can just have use a your backup hands. wand. 
Yeah, right? you'd have a backup. Yeah. Also, wouldn't you know They're that not it was be broken like, whoa, 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 before you got it out? Yeah. Didn't you just use a drumstick yeah. or, or anything else? Yeah. Obviously not, Tony. <clears throat> it, 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 oh, yeah. You just get <laughs> up there and wave. just use a drumstick? Why doesn't he just get up there and- a conductor. Why don't you get get up there and wiggle a hot dog around for the for the orchestra to play to? Yeah, totally, yeah. Tony. Why not just take off his good. trousers and use his ass? Why not just do that? Yeah. Not the direction I thought. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, that's <laughs> more obvious. Yeah, that's, Implement. Well, that, that, yeah. that, that's that's the that's the thing that you is, could that actually. That was the joke yeah. that it didn't use the. Op- that was the joke. Yeah. Also, you can you can yeah. use that. A misdirection. That, that actually yeah. does still work, so it wouldn't work as a joke because that would you can still conduct an orchestra that way. Yeah. Yeah, it jokes on you. I have a the... I have a, a long dildo poking out of my asshole right now that would work perfectly as yeah. a conductor's wand. Yeah, I've got a double ender. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean it, that would that would work. So yeah, that that's unfortunate for him. Elaine, meanwhile, has spilled red wine on the poster again. Um so she's not having the best time. And then we get a fun little post credit scene. But you don't see the out you don't see the upshot of that because uh, No, you don't. He's been he's so touched that she's managed to replace this picture that he asks her to meet him after the show and then you see her knocking over the bottle of wine. She, I don't think she realizes that this that this happens. There's a lot of loose she, ends like, in this episode. I, she yeah. kind of dances it's, it's out like the that. room. She's not aware of, you know, mm. the final message waiting for her on the record, you know. Yeah, we don't see what happens with that. We don't see what happens with Jerry's trouser and material situation. You know, it's all it's all left no. into into the imagination of the viewer. And then we get a little post-credit scene where uh, Frank Costanza has gone to Italy to meet up with his supposed cousin, and this man is also being played by Jerry Stiller and looks uh, exactly like him, uh, obviously, because it's the same guy. Um, <laughs> we find it was just a different actor, but who just looks identical. Um, but uh, denies that uh, he's his cousin. But also, like he's supposed to be his cousin, so they wouldn't look alike. Like That's not how being cousins work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look nothing like any of my cousins, for sure. Yeah, like what are we, the royal family? He had a big box that he was going to give his supposed cousin as a gift. <laughs> and when he finds out it's not his cousin, he just goes, Oh, okay, well, and walks away with the box. So we don't know what was was it gonna be the doormat? Was the doormat in there, do you think? That makes sense. I hope the, so. Because because they have the same last they would have the same last name. That's the whole point. That's the whole reason he's there. So yeah. maybe it's a bunch of broken conducting batons. This is the thing, like what, because what Marla doesn't know, because he hasn't seen the rest of the show, is that the the uh, the doormat does come back, and it is actually uh, the cause of all four of the main characters' demise at the end. Whoa! So, mm. Wow! They, they all, all die at the hands of the, door, of the Costanza's doormat. Um, yeah. Well, that is that <laughs> is about the episode. That that tears it. Uh, tune in for more Costanza doormat next week. And um, it remains for us only only to thank uh, Alexander and Tony very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. It was a blast. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, God, I'm probably going to binge some Seinfeld now again because that was fun. I forgot how much I like this show. <laughs> I oh, might, yes, well, I might watch it now. It's it it's I, the structure of this episode was pretty impressive because, mm. like like you said at the beginning, it, there's there's no real a plot. There's like an mm. A plot, B plot, C plot, and D plot, I mm. think, and they all mm. they all come together uh, pretty nicely in the end. I was I, I was tickled by that. Yeah, now you need to know what happens with the doormat. Mm. Um, right. That's is the there anything door. that you guys would like to plug to the loyal the loyal hogs of this show the 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 vol hogs the hog cells? 
Yeah, so we do Minion Death Cult. It's uh, it's a weekly show. Uh, it's technically three times a week. Uh, if if you want to get that Blimey. bonus content, uh, we talk about right wing derangement, boomer derangement, and uh, it, it now blue check derangement. Twitter blue check derangement. Oh, we started yeah. off kind of being a uh, making fun of uh, your grandma's racist Facebook feed podcast, mm. and um, now it seems like Twitter is the new Facebook with the advent of the the migra- migration of all the uh right wing low information low technologically advanced people going over there and also being able to pay so that you can do a uh you know 500 mm. character copy pasta about your rights as a social media user on twitter now uh awesome pretty good stuff i i've been a teamster as well for 16 years uh so we talk a lot about uh, labor issues. Uh, UPS might actually be going on strike here at the end of July. Uh, our contract negotiations are underway with UPS. Um, mm. We we might have to kick a little butt in, in these negotiations, which might mean a strike. So you'll be hearing about that from me if that happens. Um, Tony is an organizer who's uh, organized in his area, you know, racial justice, uh, anti police brutality so we talk a lot about uh racial issues and uh that that sort of thing as well uh get, check us out minion death cult you guys are covering a lot of ground there oh yeah yeah, yeah. The yeah. we must do like you know cows fritzel stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but thanks for having yeah. us on oh it's yeah, been a pleasure awesome. absolutely uh slide on over to minion death cult and uh, and check that out for the impressive breadth of and depth of topics being covered and uh if you're listening to this we have a patreon it is three dollars a month for the casual bonus episodes it's five dollars if you want the discord and the movie corner and it's ten dollars if you also want the monthly what is the deal mini series mm-hmm. um yeah thanks very much for listening and we will see you all very soon bye-bye bye bye, bye.